Welcome back to episode 37 of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of April 16th, 2018. This week, are prospects actually getting called up anytime soon? The injuries and waiver wire keep growing, and we're going to get deep into pitching comps, the hot starts, and some bats you need to keep your eye on. And now, entering your ears, your fantasy front office. And around the horn this week with me are Keith, Phil, and Todd. Gents, we've been awaiting these prospects, and it doesn't look like we're going to be seeing them anytime really soon, sadly. The Braves, I believe today, yesterday, their general manager was just spoken to, and he said that Acuna seems to be pressing right now, which has caused his slow start in AAA, and there's no real call-up on the horizon. Do you guys believe the BS, or are we going to see him sooner rather than later here? I have a couple things to say about this. For one, shame on the Braves. Shame on the Braves for putting the most hype prospect in baseball who's been crushing for virtually the past year and a half at every level that he's been at. Back in the minor leagues after having a strong spring for 14 days, 10 games of service time manipulation and basically putting him in a situation where he's probably pissed off to be down there in the first place because he knows he deserves to be in the major leagues. And so, yeah, now he's quote unquote struggling, I guess, at the plate. And the problem is now they've created a situation where they probably wanted to call him up right now, but they can't call him up when he's struggling because they've been telling everybody that they sent him down because he needs to work on things. Well, if they told everybody they're going to send him down to work on things and they bring him up when he has a 200 batting average and strikes out or, you know, half half of his at-bats, look like liars. They can't do that. So... They've created a situation right now that's kind of a lose-lose, and it's it's pretty frustrating. I agree 100% with what you're saying. Uh, the, the worst part about it is, is he went down there, and he's probably pressing because he probably wanted to show them, you know what, F you, I am better than all of these guys, and instead he played eight games so far, and he's batting 152, um, which is probably, you know, he's had an eight-game stretch where he batted 152 before, I'm sure, but it's just the beginning of the year, and... That's the only number you see at this point. So, yeah, I mean, it sucks that he's not getting called up. He's clearly more talented than, I would say, most of that outfield. Yeah, very frustrating all around. Yeah, the Super 2 cutoff rule, that may be the one rule in all of baseball that if I was commissioner, I would rework it or figure out something. But it, it's a real shame for just everyone involved. It, and it's got to be tough for Kakuna knowing that you've done everything you possibly could have done in spring training and, you know, have to wait two more weeks, press. It's a tough situation for Kakuna. So it's, it's just all around shame. So he had 44 at-bats this spring, had 19 hits. That's a 432 average, four home runs, 11 RBI, and four stolen bases. What more do you want out of the kid? I mean, put it this next way. Year. If, if, put it, well, I mean, right. yes, 100%, <laughs> that's what they wanted. But if you put his, those two numbers together, his spring stats and his uh, and his you know minor league stats so far this year, I'm sure you come out with some pretty decent numbers, which is still insane with how bad he's done so far. 
Um, but that just pretty much proves that he is better than all of those other hitters on the, on that team, but they just, for whatever reason, needed that extra year. So I agree with Todd. It's probably the worst rule, and I, I, I can guarantee that it won't be in the next CBA. There's no way the players let this happen again. No. Actually, actually, you know what? They might because the players that are in the major leagues don't care about the ones that are in the minor leagues, and it's sad to say, but they don't. You, you know what? You know what's bad though. Real, real quick, and I know we've talked about Acuna for a, a few minutes now, but you know what's sad is the Braves tried to sign him through this service time thing. He turned down because he wanted to bet on himself, and so because he's betting on himself and not turning down and signing a contract like you know Scott Kingery did, you know now he's kind of placed in this situation. So they've already kind of made liars out of themselves to begin with because they tried to sign him to eliminate the service time issue. To begin with, but because he didn't sign, you know, now they're manipulating it and sending him down for three weeks. So it's just it's frustrating, man. When you see somebody like like of his caliber, you want to see him on the field. It's not good for baseball to have him down there, quote, struggling and the team making up lies about whether or not he's going to be called up. It's just kind of it's kind of BS. Isn't there another deadline like later in the year in like June, something along those lines that uh, the extra year of control, but an extra year of arbitration? Yes. Maybe that number is in their head. Now, I do want to point out, you brought that up, Keith, and I, I'm looking, somebody had spoken to ESPN Deportes on March 27th. They reported that there was some $30 million contract offer. On the 28th, he denies any report of actually getting an offer from the team. <laughs> so I I don't know where exactly that's all coming from. Maybe that was somebody in the Braves leaking that information to the press to kind of put the pressure on him, and now it's backfiring on him and on them because he's underperforming now. That's a lot of pressure to put on a 20-year-old kid to say he needs more developmental time in the minors, send him down, and now he's struggling because... There's conflicting reports on contracts. I don't even know if he's struggling. Like, I don't think this, you know, whatever he's doing in the minors right now, hitting, you know, a buck fifty-three, like Phil said, or whatever it was, that doesn't affect my, I think, outlook for him at the major league level one bit. If he continues to hit one fifty for the next week and they call him up, like, I'm not going to temper my expectations based on, you know, whatever he did in the minors for twelve games. Right. He hasn't even hit the same amount of at bats yet as he had in spring. So on to our next prospect here Nick Senzel the Reds have also said that they're not really pressured to bring him up yet I mean I think it's kind of the same situation they, they don't want to look like that they're doing it just because of the cutoff deadline and then he's also not really hitting the hitting the ball that well I mean he's only batting 233 right now with the one one home run and one stolen base only one RBI also uh, I did I think it's a stupid rule and I just I don't like it I'm very frustrated because I own <laughs> both of the players in, in a very, very many places. It's not okay for anyone, especially the players, really. kind of sucks for everyone involved, though. And the Senzel situation is almost worse because in Acuna's case, Preston Tucker is killing the ball right now. He's playing left field for the Braves. Where the Reds, they lose Suarez. The spot opens up, and right now they have Cliff Pennington and Phil Goslin splitting time at their base. Who? So yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 
And it's just the spot is there, and there's no one producing at the moment, where at least the Braves, for now, Preston Tucker is hitting the ball well. But, I mean, the Nick Senzel case is almost worse, and he's had a better time, um, at least early on in AAA, than Acuna. So, I mean, this one is really unfortunate. Well, like his whole plan of going down to the minors was working at second and short in order to find a way to get to the majors. Mm -hmm. Since that injury... They've moved him over to third base again at AAA, and here are his last five games. Two for four, two for five, one for five, one for four. He's on a four-game hitting streak since they moved him back to third base with a home run, couple RBI. You, you move him back to where he's comfortable, get him on a little roll, call him up. I, I also don't see where bat is going to be any worse off than Alex Blandino or somebody else that's no named <laughs> yeah. playing third base for the Reds. And well, two well, Central's 23 also. So he is older than Acuna. He is a little bit more ready as a college bat. So also the Reds are they have more older players like uh you know the the Braves have been set up as, you know, a team that's been rebuilding for so long. The Reds are set up as a team that probably should be winning more now than than they're going to because they're not really set up with a farm system that's that that's that great and so their fans are going to get really angry and joey Votto's already getting angry um and he's kind of having a bad year too not to get on a tangent but um i i just don't see the reds fans going to games and and you know purchasing you know their products unless they do call up Senzel pretty quickly. When was the last time the Reds actually playoffs? They've always been kind of middle of the pack there in the central with a couple like sprinkled in wildcard berths, but 2013 was their last playoff appearance with I believe that was Dusty Baker's second to last year, so but that was a wildcard loss, so right. They've been in a prolonged rebuilding like well, not exactly rebuilding, just reloading kind of phase. And they need to do something. And Senzel is a big chip towards moving that ship along. On to our next one, the New York Yankees. Glaber Torres was pulled from a game, but is not getting called up. Apparently there was a little injury scare. Do we see the Yankees needing to pull him up? Is Andahar doing anything productive there in New York? The answer is no. <laughs> I knew there was some hype surrounding him, but wow, he's doing as bad as Acuna, but he's doing it in the major leagues. So yeah, yeah the answer the answer is pretty <laughs> much no, emphatically. Um, I believe Gleyber Torres is is probably the 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 prospect that's not talked about enough that's I mean look at Didi Gregorius not even a great prospect as far as hitting is concerned but he got in Yankee Stadium and you know he had another two home runs today which is crazy and it's unbelievable but moral of the story is is that Gleyber Torres can get in there and and do things that you know you don't really project like Gary Sanchez came up and he started dominating Aaron judge came up and he started dominating. Like it's not a fluke. It's this, it's a lot to do with the stadium and I'm not saying the players aren't talented, but I'm saying when you're, when you're coming up and let's say, you know, Acuna is going to go into uh, Atlanta's ballpark, which, you know, apparently is a hitter or a hitter friendly park. It's certainly no Yankee stadium though. You know, I, I see better things potentially from Gleyber Torres in his first year. Um, as opposed to maybe second or third years when I think Acuna and Senzel would be much, much better. And people that have seen Torres hit and spent some time kind of really close to him, like 
in the Arizona Fall League a few years ago, you know, before his injury, um, people absolutely raved about him. Not just his his bat and his fielding, but like his attitude towards the game and you know, kind of projected him. That's where he kind of shot up prospect boards and in some places he was considered the number one prospect in baseball. Um, this was obviously pre pre-injury, but you know, he he's definitely kind of a like you were saying, Phil, or somebody that's kind of a sleeper appeal. If he gets brought up and he's the type of person that could make a significant impact, especially in that lineup, you know, relatively quickly with Andahar doing absolutely nothing and Neil Walker playing first base now. He thought used to be, you know, a kind of a, a messy situation that's starting to open up for him. So right now, Andy Har is hitting 153 or 156 and 32 at bats. Walker's hitting 188 and 48 at bats. And then obviously Brandon Jury's out with the migraine concussion issue. So there is a spot on this team and there is a need right now for him at second base or third, either way. Um, so he's a guy, he should be up soon. The Yankees could use him. And I think when, once he's up, I think he's going to stick. He's really impressive talent. He's solid defensively. Uh, got moved off his shortstop just because of the elbow injury, but you have DD there anyway. So second base is probably going to be his home, but uh, Torres should be up soon and he deserves to be up soon. He won, um, the International League Player of the Week for the first week of the season. Unlike uh, Sensel and Acuna, he's killing the ball right now. So Torres, he's ready to go. He should be up soon. All right, that'll wrap up the prospect news and notes. And when we get back, we're going to dive into the injury report. Has your fantasy baseball team ever caught the injury bug and it cost you your shot at winning your league's prizes? If so, look no further than Rotoshurance, the leader in fantasy sports insurance. Their insurance coverage can save you your league's investments with policies as low as $1.50 a season. Be sure to use the promo code FFO in all caps throughout the season to show your support for the show. Just visit rotosurance.com. That's R-O-T-O-S-U-R-A-N-C-E.com. Simply select your sport, your league's entry fees, and choose the players you want to insure. Don't lose your money this season due to unforeseen injury and protect your team at rotosurance.com. All right, as we get back into this, starting off here, we've got the injury report, and we're going to go position by position with some of the major injuries and who you can look for on the waiver wire. Starting off, uh, third base, Josh Donaldson went down on the DL again with some shoulder inflammation that may keep him out a little while. What on the waiver wire should people look for? Well, you're not going to find anybody with that caliber of a of a hitter on the wire right now. There's just no, nobody that's available that you can slot in immediately and fill anywhere close to the production of, of Josh Donaldson. Uh, if you look at third base, I mean, you may want to take a shot at stashing Jake Lamb. Do we know when Jake Lamb's going to be back? He's playing simulated games right now, so he should be back pretty soon. It's looking good. His rehab assignment should begin in a couple of days, so he, hopefully in a week or so. I think either, you know, maybe stash him. That's not going to help you right away, but he'll be back probably maybe before Donaldson is. Um, the other two names that kind of jump off the page to me are Matt Davidson off to a good home run start. Um, the other one is possibly um, for the 
I'm sorry, for the Phillies, uh, Mikel Franco is off to a decent start after having pretty much an abysmal 2017. Yeah, Mikel Franco was one of the guys that I was going to mention. Um, he's kind of slowed down as of late, but he had the uh, grand slam the other day and uh, the uh, the home run the day before. So um, he's somebody that you know has the potential to be somebody who has uh, maybe a hot couple of months while Donaldson's out. Um, another guy that Keith hates, uh, Todd Frazier. Keith, <laughs> I hashtag, do hate Todd Frazier. Hashtag, I really do. Hashtag Keith, hate my, Keith hates my players. Uh, but he has something like a 20% walk rate to this year, which is absolutely crazy. So if you're in an on-base percentage league, I mean, he's batting almost 300 already, and then you add that uh, that Yeah, he's got on a base. 450 on-base percentage. Yeah, man, that's, that's nuts. Like in an on-base percentage league, I don't care how much Keith hates him. Give him to me all day. Two home runs and a stolen base, so he chips in all across the board in a league like that. Uh, definitely only 48% owned. Probably a little bit higher in on-base percentage league, though. Pick him up if you got a chance. Yeah, and Frazier, uh, Frazier and Franco, they both give you home run upside. That Obviously, if Donaldson out, you're going to miss. Um, some deeper league guys, Derek Dietrich and Colin Moran, those are going to be some uh, high on base percentage guys, but you're going to lose a lot of pop in your, um, in your lineup, but guys can maybe just hold you over, at least in the average department until Donaldson comes back. But Franco and, um, Frazier are definitely the two top guys that I really like to fill in. I mean, Ryan Flaherty would at least keep your average and on base percentage elevated. He's stealing some bases as well. Something that Donaldson won't do. Uh, just you're getting really shallow there. So yeah, third base, like we've talked about almost all season long, is it has a cliff, a significant cliff, which is I think we've been suggesting for a few weeks now. You know, stashing Senzel, he's available in I think like 80% of leagues. Um, you know, we expect him soon, and he's going to jump ahead of you know probably 15 or 20 of these guys. Like. I'll ask you as a quick question. If Senzel was in the majors tomorrow, would you rather him over Frazier, Davidson, any of these guys? You yes. know, on base percentage league, I, yeah. I think I would still take Frazier, but Ooh. I mean, it, it begs Ooh. the question Ooh. that I, honestly, man, I, I like Todd Frazier. You guys can say what you want, but uh, he's had a couple of good years in a row. What was his on base percentage last year? Hold on one second. Let me look it up. Hold on. Hold, hold on. I have a, I think I have a, a nice little board bet for you here. Drum roll. Phil, I'll, I'll give you all of these wasted games for Senzel. So I'll, I'll let you bank every single game right now for Todd Frazier in an on base percentage league, which is the league that we, we can track. Okay. And I'll take Senzel for its entirety throughout the entire you know the entire year over Todd Frazier oh, in on base sure. percentage. Oh, for sure, with the money in the bank already. With the money in, the, I will give you the fourteen <laughs> games in the bank. Dunzo, that's easy. He had a three forty four on base percentage last year with twenty seven home runs and four stolen bases. I mean, I mean guy he's, can, he's guy hitting two ninety five right now. He's got a stolen base, a home run, two and that's how much I hate him. <laughs> I just can't get behind Todd Frazier. So Senzel right, so over Frazier, two thousand eighteen total value on base percentage league. I got Senzel. Oh wow! All right, it is on the books. Nice. Plus, I kind of owe Phil from last year. I roped you into that that one board bet where I <laughs> I had I don't know who it was but I had like a ton of banked value already and I kind of tricked you into to you know Jason, accepting so Jason Vargas for Julio Urias who yeah that exactly who went who down with Tommy with John with like right. two two weeks later yeah that was not great for Phil <laughs> <laughs> all right on to the shortstop position Elvis Andrus is out after taking a pitch to the elbow and his pseudo replacement 
Jerks and Profar just left the game today with a head injury, possible concussion on a double play at second. Yeah, that's unlike that's very unlucky. Yeah. You just lose both stops <laughs> in like a couple of games. Not great. Um, one guy that I would pick up, I think we mentioned him on a podcast recently. It was the Ledmans Diaz, uh, ex Cardinal. Now he's hitting in Toronto. So a much friendlier ballpark. Uh, he had a pretty good year in 2000 and what was it? 16. Um, 2017 was a forgettable year for him. Uh, but he's already got four home runs this year. He's only got 237 batting average, but he chipped in a stolen base the other day too. Um, I mean, if you're, you're down a guy, uh, I think he would be a guy I would definitely want to pick up, uh, kind of contributes all across the board except that batting average i've got two names i want to ask you guys about here with shortstop the first one is tim beckham are any of you buying on tim beckham no no i have him in a one of the leagues that we're all in and i'm probably going to cut him next i think i asked you about the wrong tim i was meaning tim anderson okay now tim anderson (laughs) have some information on all right right, let's hear it I wrote up a uh, three up, three down column on, on fan tracks just yesterday. Anderson was kind of the headlining person that I talked about the most. He's off to a strong start. So in his first 11 opportunities on base this season, he stole six times. That's a crazy rate. Um, I think he had 15 stolen bases last year. He's kind of growing into a little bit of power. But the problem with him is his strikeout rate is atrocious. It was bad last year. It's even worse so far early on. I think he's striking out 33% of the time so far this year. And he doesn't walk enough to make up for it. So I believe among qualified hitters last year, Tim Anderson had the least amount of walks out of all hitters. Um, Not really an ideal situation if you want to be able to get on base and then try and steal. So my recommendation for Anderson, if I own him, is probably going to be to sell for something right now because I don't think that he's going to continue at this pace. Um, Like take a flyer on him, sure, because he stole six bases and 11 opportunities, and maybe he's just, you know, going to try and steal, you know, 60 this year or something crazy. But, um, yeah, Anderson's not somebody I'm too interested in. Anybody else have anything on Anderson? If you're looking for stolen bases, I mean, what you basically what you're telling me is, is he's a cheap option at shortstop that can get you a bunch of steals. And for his career, it is 31 out of 34 attempts. Uh, yeah, I don't think he's been caught stealing. stealing. Yeah, not he, this his, year at all. His rate is really good. He hasn't been caught, I think, in the last 15 attempts or something like that. He hasn't been caught. Um, and even last year, he was only caught one time, I think, yep. out of 15. So, yeah, his his stolen base rate is like for his career is like 93% or, or, or better. So, yeah, he's really good. And maybe that's his thing. Maybe I know last year's spring training, he, he went on on one publication or in a radio interview and said he wanted to steal, you know, 40 bases or 50 bases. And it didn't happen. Uh, but maybe that's another goal that he set for himself this year. And he's off to a great start. I, I agree with that. And the other part of it is, is he's already got three home runs this year. Uh, what if he's kind of selling out a little bit for power? And then just when he gets on base, he's like, all right, I'm stealing. Uh, that's actually pretty valuable in today's landscape. It is. He had 17 home runs last year and 15 stolen bases, and that's something that, I mean, he was a 24-year-old in his second year in the majors. It looks like maybe a little bit of growth this year as far as uh, walks. I know it's early, but looks like he's he's already taken four this year, and he had 13 all of last year. So yeah. you got to think his, his, his rate went up a little bit at that point. He really needs to improve in walks if he's going right. to to produce for, for fantasy or in, in real-life baseball. Because as much as I want to think that he can grow in both in stolen bases and in in power, 
it doesn't work that way, especially for a hitter like him, because he doesn't have as many opportunities to do that based on what his swing profile is. So his his contact is really, really bad to begin with. Um, and so it's it's going to take if he hits for power, it's going to take away opportunities for him to steal bases. If he gets on first base because he hits singles, he's not hitting for power. So um, and especially somebody like him that has speed should probably be hitting the ball into the ground instead of using his 85 mile an hour average exit velocity to try and hit the ball out of the ballpark. Like it's just kind of, he's kind of in no man's land. So like, could he have a 2020 season and hit, you know, 215? Like, yeah, he could like, which is maybe not that bad because the average batting average in the league right now is like 242 or something. So. All right. On to second base here. We've got a trio of injuries that all happened. Jonathan scope, out with an oblique, could be out up to a month. Uh, Josh Harrison had a fractured hand, will be out six to eight weeks. And our good buddy Odour is down with a hamstring, probably out or two. He may never play in the majors again. <laughs> right, right, him off. He's done. Let's take a fork in him. All right, second base. Who should people be looking for? Jed Lowry, beat you, Keith. <laughs> Honestly, there are so many options at second base right now. I mean, you have some guys that are performing really well out of the gate, like um, um, Albies. Cesar Hernandez, who I thought lost his playing time when they signed uh, uh, what's-his-face. Um, there you go, Kingery. Um, he's done very well. Two home runs, three stolen bases, 275 average, bunch of runs scored. I thought he was going to lose most of his playing time. He's hitting leadoff for him instead, only 34% owned. And Lowry yeah, and is right at 50% owned. Both yeah. of those guys, this is me loud and clear. I'm not always like definitive with writing or on the show. This is me as loud and clear as possible. Um, Jed Lowry and Cesar Hernandez needs to be owned in every single one of your leagues. They are right now are top 10 second basemen, and there's no reason why they can't continue that the entire season. Jed Lowry is somebody who I've been saying it since, I don't know, December. He's continued to improve. I know he's 32, 33 years old, but he's continued to prove, improve in all the key areas that you want to see a bat improve. Um, he's hitting a little bit more fly balls. His contact rate hasn't been sacrificed. Um, he has good exit velocity. Now he's hitting in a premier lineup spot for the A's, I think third or fourth on most nights. So he's going to score runs. He's going to drive in runs. And I think he can hit 25 home runs this year, which is a massive increase than it was last year. Um, as far as Hernandez goes, I just wrote him up yesterday, and I haven't been as excited about a player as I was about Hernandez when I started to research what his current swing is. So he's a 19 to 23 stolen base guy. Like Phil said, he's hitting in the leadoff spot right now, which is a perfect situation. He's in a home run ballpark. And now this year he started to pull the ball significantly more. Well, we saw this with Andrus a couple of years ago. All of a sudden Andrus hit, you know, 19 home runs one year. Well, it's because he started to pull the ball. And Cesar Hernandez has done that this year. His exit velocity has already gone up to almost 88 miles an hour, which will definitely play. And so he's another guy who I think could steal 19 to 20 bases, hit 20, 20 home runs and score 100 runs and have 70 RBIs. And by the way, he's an elite batting average guy. And during this 
increased pull percentage, he's still maintaining his contact rate. So this is me telling everybody, pick up Cesar Hernandez. He could have a very good year. So what you're saying is, is my board bets a shoe in with, uh, with Todd. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Pretty I lost much. that one. <laughs> Who was the opposite side of that? Nick Williams. Nick Williams. Yeah, I'm going to take Cesar's side on this. Yeah. Fourth outfielder, <laughs> second bench bat. So <laughs> not looking good. That's right. Todd's got me on the Polanco one for Adam Eaton so far. Yeah. For sure. All right. So any other attractive second base options? Um, Neil Walker, anybody taking? Uh, Yolmer Sanchez, I know we briefly talked about last week, but he's kind of cooled off since that hot start. Where the heck I mean, is Austin Barnes? I, I can't quit Yohan Mankata. I know he's you know not doing well this year, but I just I refuse to quit Yohan Mankata. Can I ask you, has he done well ever in the major leagues? No, but if you look at what his like his actual <laughs> no, physical <laughs> skills are, forty two percent strikeout rate, hits the ball really hard. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just it's I'm I'm still waiting around for it. Can, like, can I tell you who he reminds me a lot of? Ooh, Ryan Lee. If I say no, will you stop talking? You already, like, you already know the answer, and you can't even deny it. It's Rudin Odor. Oh my gosh! I re- please don't tell me I'm wrong. How how am I wrong? Both low batting average, both have power, both have speed. Probably shouldn't be stealing, though. All right, pulling You're up breaking the old heart. <laughs> pulling up the old comparison here. Oh. Jeremy, Jeremy, I will quit this podcast right now. <laughs> I, I'm just looking at 2018 comparisons here. I'm trying to make your case for you. Moncada does lead more categories. <laughs> He's done. Also, he put the headphones down and walked away. <laughs> yeah. Also, look at this the sample. I mean, it's just such a small sample from Moncada. And what did he do in the minor leagues? Like, he tore up the minor leagues for several seasons. And so I just don't think it's a large enough sample as of right now. Now, if we get 350 at-bats into this year and he's still striking out at 30% of the time or greater, like, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon. Like, you know, start making comparisons to the worst hitter in baseball. I mean, Ruben Odor, <laughs> and, you know, do whatever you want. But for right now, like, the physical skills are still there. I-, I think he can turn it around. As of right now, your comparison is safe. We'll leave that for another another time. Put a pin in it. Um, one, other guy, one other guy I did want to talk about. Uh, I know we just mentioned him <laughs> briefly for a second. Sorry. Um, Scott Kingery, he's 62% owned. I know it's over our threshold of what we normally talk about. But, man, if he is not owned in your league— How- how is that possible? 100% like hundred percent need to like as much as we were talking about Cesar Hernandez and Jed Lowry, Scott Kingery will have at some point this year third base, shortstop, second base, and outfield, and he's going to be a really good hitter in you know what though those, like three of those like, four spots. Here's my thought. So I put something out on Twitter a couple days ago. Like, how is Scott Kingery still available in like forty? I think it was forty percent of ESPN leagues or more, and forty percent of Yahoo leagues or more. And as the more I thought about it, the more I realized that if if in your league, instead of picking up Scott Kingery, right, if you look at your waivers right now and Scott Kingery is available, instead of picking him up, just quit your league. Just quit your league because <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible league. Like, you're playing with guys that just don't give a crap. Like, message us. I will find you a quality league to play in because if Kingery is available in waivers in your league, like, just beating up on, like, terrible fantasy players. Like, come play in a real league where – there's no way Scott Kingery would be available. Where you have to get last place every now and then to just survive. Yeah, all um, right. That's all I wanted. Jonathan VR, is he a, a valid second base option this year so far? Batting 280, 308 on base, three He's stolen three bases. Steals. 
Yep. Yeah, he's he's quietly having an okay start to the season. So a 280 batting average is nice through, you know, 40 at bats or whatever it is. He's got one home run. Um, you want to see that run scored quite a bit higher, but he's not, you know, batting in a, a good lineup spot. So, but yeah, if he can kind of tread water for a few weeks, I think, you know, he has the opportunity of, of getting for 10 or 12 games and then earning himself a few months of solid playing time. And that's kind of what you're looking for with, uh, with VR. You want to talk about attempts of stolen bases. He had 80 attempts in 2016. If he can even get back to half of that, what do you think? 30 stolen bases? Yeah, I mean, there's only <laughs> there's only like what uh, six guys that can steal forty bases in baseball, and he's one of them, right? I mean, is there yeah. is there more than six? Not likely. So, yeah, so he he's got the potential. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. I I almost say like he has a better opportunity of stealing you know forty bases than Buxton. I agree with that because he's already done it. He, yeah, he's done it. I mean, and and I know Buxton's like you know freakishly fast, but he also has never gotten on base at you know higher than like a three oh two clip for more than you know twenty five games. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just I think uh, I think Viara could could be sneaky valuable here pretty soon. Just somebody to keep an eye on, you know, throw a flag on in your league and, and kind of keep an eye on every five or six games, see how he's doing. But if he gets hot, I think he may earn himself, you know, a better lineup position and more playing time. And that's where you really want to own him. All right. Heading to first base. Uh, VR's teammate, Eric Thames, is out with a hip injury. Uh, first base options. Baron on the wasteland. Yuli Gurriel just came back, um, had a did. pretty decent game. Uh, you were just talking about Joe Maurer on the, before the podcast started. Um, you know, he's got that really, really high average, really high on base percentage. Um, doesn't really contribute much in home runs or, or stolen bases or anything of that nature. But, I mean, if you're in a roto league, that's pretty valuable. Yeah, his stats are a little under inflated due to what they had three straight four straight games snowed out so mm-hmm. he'll he'll get those at bats that he missed and hopefully find some power once <laughs> once things warm up yeah there's really honestly not a lot of good first base options is cj crone a sleeper option i mean he did go deep on monday uh two for five just that home run i mean you gotta I be playing I... pretty deep though if I had to pick, like right now, if I'm just plugging in a replacement for, say, two weeks, right? I may take Joe Maurer for two weeks because he's almost guaranteed not to hurt you. True. Like he, he's not going to hurt you at all for two weeks. If you need a long-term sustainable option, I'm probably looking, you know, more for Yonder Alonso or Yuli Gurriel because I think long-term they could actually carry that position for you. You know, at least have the upside to maybe carry that position for you for several months. But if I need just a two-week replacement, Joe Maurer's my pick because for two weeks he's absolutely not going to hurt you in any place. And if he hits two home runs, you know he can actually replace that same value that was taken away by potentially a top for you know top ten first baseman. Brandon Belt? No, no, man, nope, nope. Greg, Greg Bird? <laughs> if he sees the field, uh, Luis Valbuena out in L.A. in two ninety-one, three home runs, ten runs yep. scored. You know that whole team, the Angels' whole team. I think I looked at it this morning is batting two ninety one for the season. So their number one batting average in, in in baseball for a team. And the next closest person or next closest team is batting like two seventy five. 
Wow. And then it goes down pretty drastically from there. So it's like 275, 272, 271, and then you're in the 260s for like the fifth or sixth team. So that whole team is on fire to start the season, not just, you know, a few of those guys. All right, next up, outfield replacements. Kevin Kiermeyer has a ligament tear in his right thumb, which that tends to hurt your batting. So he'll be out for a little while. Where should people look for outfield replacements? Aaron Hicks? Yes, sir. I thought you were going to deny him. No. No, I, 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 uh, I could, I could do a little Aaron Hicks. He's been yeah, hot he's been... since he's come off the DL yeah. there. Um, Carlos Gonzalez has two stolen bases on the year. Is that, uh, is that appealing to anybody? Yeah, his ten RBI are also pretty appealing. Well, he's he's almost guaranteed to hit in a good lineup spot, even if he struggles because of what his tenure has been at that team. Like, I guess if he really struggled, they'd move him down. But like, it's just natural for them to plug him in, at, like the number four position overall, or or hit him in the four or five spot. So he's going to get his RBIs. He's going to get his runs because that lineup is going to turn over, you know, a million times in Coors. So if he hits for power and gives you a few stolen bases, I think that's a an option at uh, an outfield that you can look to help out your team. One guy that if you give him, let's say, 600 plate appearances, he can steal 40 bags easily is Malik Smith. And right now he's batting 350 and went four for four today, which is not counted in that 350. So um he's obviously the one replacing uh kevin kiermeyer's injury anyways so if you need some stolen bases i think he is a really cheap source and and it looks like that he's not trying to hit for any power which good for him because he doesn't have any he's basically billy hamilton out there trying to hit long balls but yeah but he's better <laughs> right right he can actually hit the ball though. and he can you know actually I mean? get on base coming into the season like it seemed like he had a secured day in day out outfield position and then they signed carlos gomez mm-hmm. uh, denard span and his playing time just got muddy and he was looking like the fourth outfielder the pinch runner and they've had a few injuries now that have really opened up the space and through 40 at bats he is doing really well he's not stealing as much as he should it's kiermeyer injury he is the everyday center fielder and that is really an attractive option with 11% own it. Well, yeah, and his, and his career high for uh, hits is four, and he's done that twice in the last two weeks. You got to think that there's some sort of trajectory that, you know, maybe he figured some things out and he said, you know, I'm not going to hit the ball, uh, try to hit the ball hard because he's been slapping the ball around the field. If he can do that and, and get on base, his wheels speak for themselves. Uh, I mean, he even had a triple the other day and he was flying. Um, so, I mean, definitely watch out for him. So if you, if you count the four hits that he had today, um, which aren't currently updated on baseball reference, um, he is 15 for his last, he's batting over 500 in his last, uh, seven games. Nice. With only three strikeouts, by the way. That is the key with him. Um, he only has five strikeouts on the year prior to today's stats. He does have more caught stealing this year than stolen bases, though. So he's stolen twice, uh, small sample size, but he's been caught stealing twice or three times. I think that's just a fluke. I think he'll Pro- probably that out. Yeah. <clears throat> just two guys I have that are pretty um, lowly owned. 
Right now, Jose Perella leads all of baseball in hits. He has 24 hits on the season, two stolen bases. With Margot out and Renfro struggling a bit, he's getting a ton of playing time, pretty much plays every day. And then also the other Padre, Franchi Cordero, just came back. And he already has multiple homers and a stolen base. So those are two guys for the Padres. Very low-owned, um, not uh, well-known players. But with uh, Margot out, Renfro struggling, there is a lot of room for them to play right now in that outfield. And to our starting pitchers, Taiwan Walker went out, left in the second inning with a forearm strain out in L.A. the other day, and Jason Vargas is nearing a return. Who loses the job for the 12-1 and Mets? Is it Mats or Wheeler, I guess, is the, the two that I think could possibly be on the outside looking in. I think we talked pre-podcast, I think maybe Wheeler's the, the guy who could be in the bullpen here shortly. Yeah, that's kind of looking who will be bounced from the rotation for Vargas. But then again, I don't know why would you move him and not Matt Harvey or how long of a leash does Vargas actually have once he hits the rotation? Well, first of all, Wheeler doesn't have a cool nickname like the Dark Knights, so that's why you can't remove him from the, <laughs> the rotation. Second of all, Wheeler doesn't have a cool contract like Jason Vargas, so that's also why you do not remove him from the rotation. Jason Vargas is there to get innings, and he has not done a very good job of that so far. <laughs> Wheeler is there to get strikeouts. He's done a pretty good job of that so far. I think they're going to throw him in the pen and then do the Josh Hader um, role with him, which they're already doing with the Giselle men. Um, I think it's pretty much been written on the wall since day one. So assuming he goes to the bullpen, how, who would you rather own in that kind of middle relief, high strikeout, good ratio you know, kind of position? Would you rather have Wheeler or... Um, Seth Lugo or Robert Giselman, who would you guys want to own, you know, in the bullpen for, you know, two out saves and, and, you know, possibly getting three to four strikeouts for two innings. I remember way back when, when we talked about the Mets bullpen um, with the AL East breakdown that we all said that we didn't want anything to do with anything in the Mets, uh, except uh, what was his name? Swarzowski or whatever that guy's name is. Um, I would take Giselman and Wheeler and Lugo if I had spots like if it's if it's in our league where it's deep enough like you have 10 roster spots for pitchers and right pl- plenty of days where you don't need a starter I think all three of those guys are valuable in a save or a save plus hold league especially considering that we're starting to see more and more kind of snaked wins um you saw Adam Ottavino I think has three or four wins on the season already yeah um it's because a lot of these managers are are no longer allowing pitchers to go you know 100 innings or 100 pitches even into the game they're they're yanking them in the in the fifth inning and the sixth inning you know the Yankees so far have 14 or 15 starts on the season and before tonight, they hadn't had a pitcher that had thrown more than 94 innings in their first 14 starts. So it's hard to get a win in your league if you're not even throwing five innings, you know, six innings. And so I think some of those guys, Wheeler or some of the other guys in that bullpen that are probably going to end up pitching the sixth, you know, the fifth, end of the fifth and the sixth inning could be in a position to get not only good ratios and good strikeouts, but they also may snake quite a bit of wins. I think we could have a reliever this year that gets 10 wins easily. Yeah. Selman, he has, compared to his last month of last season, his fastball was clocking in at about 92 and a half miles an hour. 
which is right about the same speed as his sinker. This season, since he's gone to the bullpen, that fastball has jumped three miles an hour to 95 and a half, while his sinker also increased about one and a half. And I was listening to the StatCast podcast, and they broke down like the spin rates of all of his pitches, Lugo's pitches, and they've seen positive increase both with movement and velo and everything with both of these guys moving to the pen, which may be the better option for these two in the long run. All right, coming up after the break, we are going to dive into some additional pitching standouts from this past week and some blind Harrisons. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, Ken, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. Pitching this week, we have seen some wondrous and almost magical pitching sequences and all sorts of fun stuff happened this past week. So, Keith, let's kick it off with some comparisons. You've got some blind resumes for us. I do. Um, all right. So I'm going to give you a couple here. And um, these are all based on their last approximately 100 innings pitched. So it's given the same sample size, so that way when I give you guys strikeouts and walks, um, you guys will know that it's within about the same amount of innings pitched. So, all right, the first one that I will give you guys, um, you know, pitcher A is Jacob DeGrom. And so we're trying to figure out who the blind resume is. So DeGrom has, in his last 100 innings pitched, he has a 3.51 ERA. He has a 1.19 whip, 0.06 116 strikeouts. He's given up 11 home runs. So he's been good. 3.51 ERA is pretty good, especially in today's baseball. So the person who we don't know who is has given up 30 home runs, or I'm sorry, 30 earned runs. So nine less than DeGrom. Seven home runs, four less than DeGrom. He has 110 strikeouts, so very, very similar. His ERA is almost 70 points lower at 2.81, almost an identical K per nine, and a 1.05 whip. Does anybody know who the mystery pitcher is? I'm on the other guess first. <laughs> so he's got a much better ERA, an almost identical K per nine. Their walks are very similar. Their whip is pretty similar. DeGrom's is 1.19, so pr- pretty good. Um, but this this pitcher is 1.05. That's incredible for the last 100 innings pitched. Could it potentially be Syndergaard? It is not Syndergaard. Not a bad guess. Is it Jamison Tyon? It's not Tyon. I don't think he quite has the strikeout rate um, Probably that not. that is. But I, I could be wrong. He's had a good uh, 100 innings too. All right, Phil, who do you got? 
Severino? It is not Severino. Oh, man, I was pretty this sure This player, that. Charlie Morton. Uh, <laughs> I should have noted. That. <laughs> Charlie Morton has outpitched J- Jacob deGrom in his last 100 innings pitched, and quite sizably. He has the same amount of strikeouts, essentially 110 strikeouts to 116. He's surrendered four less home runs, and he's given up nine less runs in the past 100 innings. Now, is right, that so that's excluding the... the playoffs? Yeah, this is just regular season stats. Okay. His stats may actually be better with the playoffs because he was incredible. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. All right, so the next uh, the next one I have, um, let's see here. All right, so our, our main pitcher is Carlos Martinez. Again, the last 100 innings pitched, pitchers have given up exactly 12 home runs. Um, Carlos Martinez has 111 strikeouts. Our mystery player has 110 strikeouts. So Carlos Martinez's ERA in that span is 3.55. Our mystery pitcher has a better ERA at 3.20. K per nines are very similar. Martinez actually has a lot more walks. 3.4 walks per nine as compared to 2.9. And their whips are very, very similar. So you have a 1.26 whip for Martinez and a 1.22 whip for our mystery pitcher. Any guesses? This is the one I think I might have, but what is Patrick Corbin? Correct. Yeah. Patrick Corbin is the answer. I, I, I was hoping you would come through on that one, Todd. <laughs> uh, but what an incredible stretch that Corbin is on right now. Not only has he pitched well this season in his 20 or so innings, um, but that kind of carries on to last season as well. Um, we think of Carlos Martinez, we think, you know, top 20 starting pitcher in baseball almost instantly, right? He's probably not a top 10, but we can all say that he's probably considered to be in the top 20. Corbin's pitched like that uh, his last probably 10 or 15 starts. Corbin had a, I just remember he had a 3-2-6 uh, the second half of last year. And then just he's brought it up a level this year. He's almost pitching better than he did the year he made the All-Star team in uh, 2014, I believe. So 13. Uh, 14, 14 was yeah. Tommy John. Oh, that was not a good year. No. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, Corbin's been phenomenal. Just watching him pitch, a slider is better than ever. And he's really starting to develop a changeup. So Corbin, he might be for real. All right, last one for you guys. This one's probably my favorite. Um, all right, so our, our main pitcher is going to be Madison Bumgarner. Um, in his last approximately 100 innings pitched, he has a 3.29 ERA, a 1.11 whip, very good numbers. Um, his K per nine is 7.8, which is really not that good. Um, his FIP is 4.09. And then his strikeouts minus walk percentage, which is a stat that I like to look at quite a bit, um, is just 17%, so really not that good. Um, he's given up 16 home runs in that span and 38 earned runs. Um, so the mystery player has outperformed him virtually in every single category. Um, his ERA is 3.13, which is uh, almost a full percentage point better. His whip is an even one. He's given up 36 earned runs instead of 38. 15 home runs instead of 16. His K per nine is sizably bit bigger. One or 11.5 instead of 7.8. And his FIP is 3.4 instead of 4.0. Zero nine. Any guesses on who the mystery pitcher is? Who is Robbie Ray? Not Robbie Ray. Nope. The strikeouts. Look at the strikeouts. So total strikeouts during that span. Madison Bumgarner has 90 strikeouts in the last 100 innings pitched. Yeah. This player has 132. Wow. This is an elite strikeout pitcher. I think probably top, probably top six or seven in baseball in his last 100 innings pitched. Could it be James Paxton? That is a really good guess, but it's not James Paxton. <laughs> I thought these were all players that you really loved. 
Yeah, that's what's going on. But <laughs> that's that's a good guess. That's actually that's that's smart. Phil, you, you got, got a guess Phil? here? Uh, I really don't. Um, man, I really don't have any guesses. I'm I'm lost. I know you're trying to stump us, and you definitely did. This one is Rich Hill. Oh boy, a hundred and thirty-two strikeouts in his last. 103.2 innings pitched. But that's over the last, like, three years because the blitz. Oh, come on. <laughs> no, no, no. Come he on. changed his grip after the All-Star game, and the blisters weren't an issue. But does this include the shellacking he got the other night against the Diamondbacks or excluding that? Wow. That's even so crazier. I, I think the biggest thing in looking at this side-by-side, it's probably terrible radio to hear all the stats, but... Um, when I do these comparisons, I like to do two things. One, I think it, it, it narrows the gap in between perception on a pitcher like Madison Bumgarner, who we've seen win championship after championship after championship. Um, and we've put him in that class with Kershaw and Scherzer for the past, like three or four years. The fact is his last hundred to 200 innings pitched, he hasn't been a very good pitcher. His ERA is still good. His whip is still good, but he's no longer striking batters out. Um, he's walking too many and he's giving up too many home runs. When you compare him to somebody like Rich Hill, who has you know a pretty negative stigma attached to him based on his injury issues, um, it's pretty glaring. Rich Hill is a better pitcher than Madison Bumgarner, period. There's no question about it. Now, whether or not Rich Hill can stay on the mound, literally, is a different question. But Madison Bumgarner has missed a ton more time than Rich Hill has the past year and a half. If I had a mic, I would drop it. But don't. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to drop have, that you mic. You have a mic. I'm not, dro- I'm not dropping this mic. All right, well... That'll conclude the blind comps. Uh, just for general pitching standouts this week, uh, we had a wonderful game that we were all following there this weekend with Verlander going toe to toe with big sexy Bartolo Cologne, uh, who nearly threw a perfect game, took it into the eighth inning, uh, and with just wicked movement there in Cologne. I don't think he threw harder than what, 85, 86? And for a stretch there, he threw like 25, 26 fastballs in a row off with movement. I mean, Verlander won player of the week. Cologne has been pretty under... He's been a sneaky value this year so far through three starts. The only problem with him is is that since he throws so many fastballs, there's going to be the day where his fastball straightens out a little bit. And it might only happen for one or two games in a row. But if you're in a rotor league or a weekly league, those one or two games in a row can be pretty devastating for your ratios for you know that weekly matchup or you know if you're fighting for a couple percentage points here or there. Um, I, I probably would stay as far away from Barcelona Cologne as possible until he approves it for a longer period of time. And then when he does, I'm still going to deny. So, <laughs> I mean, can I'm just I, being honest. Can I hijack for a second? And I, I promise it won't be very long. No. Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so in, in looking at the last 100 innings pitched for those resumes, um, I came across something that was pretty eye-opening for me. Um, I was just sorting by some of the stats to try and find similar players and when I sorted by whip, now, first I had to get, I don't know, 180 pitchers with their last 100 innings, roughly. And when I sorted that spreadsheet by whip, the very top of that was Corey Kluber with a .72 whip, his past 103 innings pitched, which is crazy. Insane that he has that low of a whip in today's baseball. But right behind him at .72 or .721 is Justin Verlander. After that, nobody's even close. 
Strasburg at 0.91, Kershaw at 0.95, Chase Anderson at 0.96, um, and then Carrasco, Severino, Scherzer, Hill, you know, Morton. But those two right now are just on another level. Um, is it too soon to bump Verlander into that group of four pitchers for this season? Did I not say he was underdrafted? I mean, you did. <laughs> you did. You did. But but me, I've been talking about his his arms falling off for the past six months. So I'm scared off by the innings. But man, he has pitched unbelievably since he got to the Astros. Other than that one year, he hasn't had a bad stretch of baseball. I mean, he had like he had not inches. not great stretches. <laughs> But then through those not great stretches, he goes and does something like you said, where he has like a one ERA for what was it, 15 starts or 12 starts in a row or something like that. It's crazy. Like he is something that is to be marveled and not just because he's married to Kate Upton. Um, (laughs) More to more so to do with the fact that he throws baseballs at, uh, you know, 100 miles an hour still, basically. Uh, at the age he does with how many bullets that he's thrown already. I agree that, you know, it's concerning as far as, you know, maybe he has an injury, but I don't think that he's just going to lose it. I think that it's more concerning that he has an injury to me than he actually, like, just doesn't pitch well. I don't know, man. He's I- I'm blown away by how good he's pitched in his last, you know, 15 or 20 starts. Just absolutely blown away. All right, so I'm going to read off the next five pitchers names and you tell me if you're buying on them or you're going to sell because these are guys who have got off to hot starts as pitchers and uh, they don't exactly have the track record so first up dylan bundy todd sell. yeah i'm probably buying on bundy why are you selling phil leave in him uh more the fact to do with injuries than anything um that's one thing the let me pull him up real quick um, the, the other fact is, is that, you know, for most of his career, he hasn't really been a strikeout pitcher, even though he should be. And then kind of out of nowhere, he's, he's striking guys out. I don't know if I believe it, um, especially with only just 25 innings for his career. Um, what he had, let's say 169 innings last year and he only had 152 strikeouts. I think that I, I take that bigger sample size as, as more truth than what his one four ERA and his 31 strikeouts in 25 innings. So, Keith, could you look on your 100-inning thing and see where Dylan Bundy falls on that? He's got a trend I want to see if this has been positive for him or not. All right, so in his last 103.1 innings pitched, he has 118 strikeouts, 29 walks. He has a flat 4 ERA. He has a 20% strikeout to walk percentage. Where is his FIP? His FIP is 3.53 pretty good so this is in coordination essentially with upping his slider usage um he had been using it around 15 to 18 percent of the time and last august jumped from using his change up so much and he's up to averaging since august 27 29 28 and 27 percent usage on that slider let me just give you a few names that his strikeout per nine innings is better than over his last hundred innings. It's better than Lance McCullers. It's better than Trevor Bauer. It's better than Carlos Martinez, Steven Strasburg, Carlos Carrasco, Luis Castillo, Kevin Gossman, Zach Greinke, 
John Gray, his caper nine is... So are you still selling on him, Phil, or have we attempted to persuade you? You guys attempted pretty well. I think I would still sell him, and I would tell all of those things that you just told me <laughs> to the guy that I was selling him to, and go get a guy that I actually like. All right. Let's let's turn to the next one. Rick Porcello. Rick Porcello. Sell. Yeah, I'm always selling Rick Porcello. I, too, would be selling as well. Uh, sell while he's hot and expect the wheels to fall off. Oh, this next name is... Oh, oh, boy. Went in my league in the... It. <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> he went for almost 60% of someone's fab budget for the year in my Invitational League. Drugs are bad. Uh, Luke Casey, are you guys buying him or selling He's kind of the shiny new rookie Padres. And it's looking like he's going to get an extended look here with Lamette out, and they finally announced he was going down for Tommy John. I think I would probably be looking to sell high on him if somebody in my league wanted to give up, you know, 60% of their fab for the entire season for him. Because <laughs> um, I just, I don't know, man. It's hard to judge him based on a small sample size. Um, I know I've, I've heard kind of rumblings from a lot of, uh, you know, people on Twitter and analysts absolutely raving about him. Um, I haven't had a chance to kind of dive in deep on him yet. So, um, it's hard to kind of give too much, but if, if the hype is that high, I'd be looking for an opportunity to, to package him with one of your other starters and maybe make a, a jump for somebody who you absolutely believe in because innings in games, it matters more than it's ever has before. I don't know that he's going to give you enough innings this year to, to really stand out. What's crazy is I would probably buy him because I don't think anybody's going to give you what he's worth. And if you can get him for remotely close to what he actually is worth, maybe a little less than that, I would definitely buy into him because I, I saw some, I forget exactly what it was, but I saw a tweet earlier that was naming, uh, you know, whip, ERA, um, strikeout rate, and uh, walk rate. And it's it had, you know, over over under these different numbers. Um, and it had, there was only 12 pitchers. I don't know exactly what the numbers are. It's not really important. But of the 12 pitchers, it was like Kershaw, uh, Scherzer, um, Kluber, all, all these, you know, awesome pitchers. And then he was in there. Um, and this was a projection system that is built to be pretty bullish on players mostly all the time. And they are projecting that he does this. So I think that I would buy into him if you're putting someone like this in a, in a category with those type of players. Um, projection systems typically know more than what most people do. So I'm I'm definitely willing to buy in, especially if I can get him for kind of what I perceive a discount. Was that fan gra- or was that uh, steamer? By chance, so. Phil? Yeah, the steamer projections so. there. In his um, last start against the Giants, he had a 0.06 FIB. I've never seen that before. So that's... I think Josh Hatter actually had a negative FIB. Um, uh, it was a past, negative, week. negative 2.26, I believe. Wow. Yeah, which I, I, don't even, I don't even know how that's possible. I'm not smart enough to understand that. Um, but I am smart enough to understand that having a negative FIP is like really cool. So I can get behind that. <laughs> right. My only thing is that kind of opens my eyes to maybe FIP is broken on some yeah. level. I don't know, um, man. He's striking out like 90% of batters. Yeah. Like, I don't know I how know, you give like, credit you, for that, but like that's like a but you can't, way to do it. A zero would make more sense than negative. I mean, what, are you taking runs off the board for the guys because you throw them out there? Oh, nope. Hey, you don't have seven anymore. You got five. 
mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, you should do that. I mean, you, you know what I, I mean. mean essentially, you know, like, I, I don't know. I just it look, I look no, at I'm... it like that. That that has to be tweaked on some level. And I knew that um, XFIP was broken because of the home run rate um, jump that they didn't adjust for. So maybe FIP is broken just a little bit, also. All right. So our next pitcher here is Nick Pavetta. Are you buying or selling on him this year? Sell. Phil? I never bought in, so I couldn't sell. But I would sell if I bought in. All right. Why are you buying, Keith? Uh, He's somebody who I took kind of late in some drafts um, just for this opportunity. And his ratios last year were just atrocious. But his physical skills were much better than what his, his performance had been. Um, his whip is is higher than what you want to see, um, but he's striking out more than a batter per nine innings. Um, his ERA is is awful his last 100 innings, so it's 5.76 in his last 100 innings, but his FIP during that time is 4.26. I mean, still not great, but if you just look at what he's done in his last 30 innings pitched you know, in this season, he's a much better pitcher than what his, his stats are showing, so... Uh, I'm willing to hang on to him and kind of ride it out for the next probably four or five starts. All right. Next, uh, final name here, Ian Kennedy. He's got a one flat ERA under one whip through three tough starts. Do I will be totally honest with you guys. Before seeing Ian Kennedy on the mound like five or six days ago, I forgot he was in the major leagues. (laughs) And I watch a ton of baseball, probably at least two hours a day. Um, I catch, you know, four innings here, four innings there. And so I didn't even know he was in the major leagues. So, yeah, I'm not going to buy. It's a sell for me, too. (laughs) (laughs) He held the Angels to one run, held Cleveland to no runs, and the White Sox to one run. He has a 1.75 home run per nine his past 100 innings and a K per nine below four, a five ERA, um, and 85 strikeouts through his last 97 innings pitched. Um, Four point, actually a five flat FIP during that span, 97.2 innings pitched. I'm I'm definitely going to sell. That's a hard pass. All right, after the break, we're going to talk some hot hitters. And we'll kiss some of these guys goodbye. Hey, everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia. Baseball is back, and so is the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018 edition. This year, I've got Paul Spore doing the starting pitching chapter. I've got Jake Seeley doing outfield profiles. I've got Sammy Reed doing DFS. we got championships waiting for you. Go get it right now, the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018, available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle and on iTunes, because once you go Black Book, well, you know the rest. And knocking the cover off the ball, we're going to get into these players. Bryce Harper just homered again. Uh, They're currently not playing as we're recording, but he just homered again. Anything that we're seeing different this year other than he's healthy? A broken bat home run? Yeah, that was insane. 416 feet, I think. I think it was like 416 feet on a broken bat. And not just like it cracked. Like, watch the replay. There is no bat in his hand when he's rounding the first. (laughs) He's doing his home run trot with just the the 16, 18 inches that broke off in his hands. Just crazy the amount of power he generated there. Um, also knocking the cover off the ball, Ozzie Albies for the Braves. 
Yeah, man, I was wrong. If like he to, hits like for to, power, I like to publicly say I was. If I was he hits for power this year, he could be incredible. I mean, if he hits for continues to hit for power with all you know 117 pounds that he is, he could have an incredible season. We're talking like maybe the the best second baseman or or top you know three second baseman in baseball because he's going to steal bases. He's going to hit for a, a decent average. He's in been one of the best lineups in baseball so far and that's an Acuna-less lineup so yeah he he's off to an incredible start what's impressive about Albies is that for lefties um the Braves new ballpark is great for lefties great place to hit home runs but four of his first five homers of the season came on the road so I mean there's a ton of upside if he can continue to hit for power especially playing in that lefty friendly ballpark all right, and next up, third baseman for the Oakland Athletics, Matt Chapman, has been the talk of the town there, not uh, Olsen. I think that A's lineup is actually kind of sneaky good. I think there's, you know, with Lowry hitting the way he is, I still think Luke Roy could hit well. Davis is always going to be consistent. Uh, even even Simeon, I think, could put together a good season. So if if uh, if Chapman and Olsen are, are hitting the way that they have been, that's a, that's a good lineup. Starling Marte is also off to a hot start now. Todd, what you got on the Pittsburgh front there? Uh, he's looked really good. He's had a five-hit game on Sunday, and he just looks like the old Starling Marte, the pre-steroid <laughs> Starling Marte. Or, so, or during uh, steroids. Well, yeah, pre-getting pre caught steroid. Pre-getting caught 2016 <laughs> steroid uh, Starling Marte. Uh, but he looks tremendous. Um, stolen base, but he's hitting for a little pop. Had a triple today that went into the deep corner of uh, PNC Park. That's like 425. But uh, he's just all around looked good, looks healthy. Um, and he's going to be, if he can develop some pop, uh, really interesting uh, combination of skill set. And he's somebody who, on a per game basis, we talked about a lot in the offseason, um, has looked really, really good. He's been very impressive on a per game basis. Um, if he can stay in that lineup, stay healthy, um, I expect kind of big things from Starlin Marte this year. And, yeah, I mean, I, we just yeah. talked about him. Sorry, we just talked about him uh, on on the last podcast, and I pretty much said in a dynasty league, you're not going to want to trade him away as as you know lame meat. You know, like you want to get something real for him because he's still a legitimate player. He's still the same guy he was before he got caught doing PEDs. Um, he's not Ryan Braun where he's just going to fall off a cliff, in my opinion. And DJ Power LeMayhew <laughs> has five home runs already this year. Uh, has he sold out for power along with a batting average? He's been a, a career ground ball guy. Um, and I don't know that it's necessarily smart for him to hit uh, you know, a ton of fly balls, but... He's going to be in cores if for some reason he has decided this year that he's going to to hit for more power. Um, he has the profile. The contact rate is incredible. And players who have a really high contact rate decide to even like purposely put more swing and miss into their game. Uh, they have so much contact rate that they can go from like an 84% like LeMahieu I think is down to like a 76 or 78% and increase their home runs significantly in their power, but still have enough of a contact rate to give a high batting average. So 
Um, if that's what he's doing, this could be really, really good for him this year. Yeah, LeMahieu, surprisingly, all five of his home runs have came on the road. So he hasn't even hit a homer yet at Coors. So that's really encouraging. Yeah, he's never had a OP, or an ISO above 147. This year it is 294. It's roughly double what it's been in the past as his best season. If he can keep up anything even remotely close to that, chip in a couple of stolen bases and still have that batting average above 300, man, that's a really awesome picket. You know, wherever you got him at for a second baseman, because like we talked about, second base is just not that great. And he's a much better hitter than you know somebody who you know goes on a stretch and and does five or six home runs. Like we saw this from Scooter Jeanette last year, right? Um, he's two to three times the hitter that Scooter Jeanette is. And so I'm more tempted to believe in the power, not to this scale, obviously, but I mean, could he hit 22 home runs this year? Absolutely. Jeanette had 27 last year. (laughs) 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 All right. And this last segment is, should we kiss them goodbye? These players are struggling. Uh, Let's start it off with the biggest question mark. Miggy, is it time to write him off? It's really not a question mark. I'm I'm done. I'm I want nothing to do with Miguel Cabrera. Fair not price. not right now. Um, I don't I don't have a league that I want to currently own him in. Um, and I play in some deep leagues. Like even in our league where we roster 400 players and we have the opportunity of picking somebody up for like you know a dollar or three dollars. Like would I take a dollar waiver on him? Yeah, of course I would. Like I'm also taking a dollar waiver on you know, Brian Gordon, you know, from, from the nationals. And I'd rather own Brian Gordon from the nationals right now as the fourth outfielder than Miguel Cabrera. I'll take that board, bet. that's not a board bet. That's a statement. Um, I mean, between, cause I, I know what my heart wants to do and that's think that Miggy still has some left in him. But the rea- reality of me saw pools, and as soon as he left St. Louis, just literally hit a wall and fell flat on his face. And he's been like substantially worse hitter, still decently valuable in some seasons as far as a fantasy baseball asset. Uh, I think Miggy still has some of those type seasons in him where just much less average and just sells out for power. I just don't, man, it just sucks that the two best hitters of our generation, like for most of my life until Trout, um, are just horrible now. Like it, it just it, it just sucks to watch. Like Ortiz went out and he was still awesome. Like that's how players should go out, but it never happens. <laughs> yeah, I would actually rather have Pujols than Cabrera just because he's in a better lineup. He's going to rack up a ton of RBIs, still hit you like 20 homers, but it's not looking good for Cabrera. Uh, just the power is just gone, you know, and that's that's really worrisome because what else is going to do for you? Now, well, and- to counter this, his last, most of his season has been played in really cold weather right now. Uh, Chicago, Cleveland, uh, New York was pretty cool. Kansas City. Could this just be a product that he's just no, no, <laughs> no? I don't, I don't think so. He's actually starting the season off worse than what he did last year. So in, in 2016, it was the first time he had a woba below 
um, major league average. So his Woba last year was 3.13. Um, in a super small sample size of 50 at-bats, he's got a 2.93 Woba right now this this season. So, no, I'm, I'm, you need it. If you were going to get something out of Miguel Cabrera this year, and I'm not writing him off after his first 50 at yeah, I am. Um, you needed you needed him to start out of the gate like Miguel Cabrera. The fact that he's not doing that not to move on. If somebody else in your league thinks he is still a fragment of what he used to be, take this opportunity and get something for him. Because if he goes another 50 at bats like he has these, he is going to be universally dropped. And I would completely agree with that. All right. Next name is Alex Colomay. He pretty much led the league in saves the last couple seasons and has already blown a few and has not looked good at all. Aside from one outing, I think, where he went one, two, three with a couple strikeouts. Time to hit the panic button and start looking at your other options there in Tampa Bay. Who to pick up? Yeah, I think Sergio Romo is going to be the guy here very shortly, and that sucks because Colome was going so late in drafts, and I thought he was going to be an awesome value. I mean, he's an awesome, he's a good pitcher, you know, solid ratios, solid strikeout rate. Um, I just don't know what happened. Maybe it's a small sample size thing where it's just you know 15 days in the season, but. It could be something else. I think Romo is going to take over, at least for the short term. Um, I would love that. I just, uh, you know, spent 10% of my fab on on Sergio Romo, you know, on Sunday in in the Invitational League. So, you know, that was kind of a speculation thing because Colome had been so bad. But like you, Phil, I was kind of in on Colome this year. I didn't end up with any shares, but he was somebody who I was kind of targeting in that middle tier. I just didn't end up with him because guys were snatching him before I had the chance, but um, I went ahead and speculated, like you were saying, on Sergio Romo this weekend, and I think he, uh, you know, if, if he gets an opportunity, then I think he can hold it down. Yeah, you know, he's a guy, his velocities, um, they're pretty on par with his uh, career average, so there is some hope that he does turn it around, but Romo is definitely the quote-unquote handcuff guy that definitely looming for the Rays. Another arm to keep on the watch list there is Jose Alvarado. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's an electric arm. He's got nine strikeouts so far, three save holds. Definitely somebody to keep on your radar in case Romo doesn't get the call. He's Or, or if Romo gets an opportunity and gives up you know, three runs. It, right. Yep. At that point, it probably goes to a committee for a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to speculate even further, that's a good choice there, Jeremy. All right. Next name, Ian Happ. Really hasn't done much since opening pitch. Uh, are we just dropping him at this point as you get to roster crunch time? I think he's very Well, we similar. talked about it. Go ahead, Keith. Uh, so we talked about it enough earlier in the show. I mean, there's just so many other opportunities at second base that um, if, if that's where you have him right now, that's, you know, it's pretty easy or even an outfield to pick up somebody else that I think make more of an impact right now, even after 15 games into the season. I think you're you're going to need some sort of production. And I think Hap probably is going to find himself possibly in the minors if he doesn't fix this quick. I honestly see a lot of parallels between um, Ian Hap and Scott Kingery. As far as position-wise and, and, you know, the kind of decent power, decent speed, um, you know, prospect status uh, wasn't really the highest for both of them. 
I think that both of them could succeed. Um, I, I think Ian Hat probably succeeds better um, because he, he he's already facing the the kind of the second go round of the major league pitchers adjusting on him, and he just needs to make that adjustment again. And I think that he will uh, because I think that he's just a better hitter than what he's doing right now. I mean, it's just with Hap, the strikeout rate is really concerning. Thirty-one um, percent last year in uh, four hundred thirteen plate appearances. He's at forty-five percent this year. Um, you know, maybe a little time, a little minor league stint could help him out a little bit, but it is not looking good right now. But, you know, the potential is there. You got to love the power speed combo that he does have, the position eligibilities. But, I mean, so far, it's it's been bad. Yeah, he's got 22 strikeouts on the year as of yesterday at recording. Uh, the only other guy that's got, well, more strikeouts is Yon Mankata as well. And the next name on our list here, Trevor Story as a second base shortstop option, 26 strikeouts, two stolen bases, a buck 77 average. He has three home runs. Uh, Are we giving up? Is it time to sell on Story? Yeah, steal one of Phil's lines from earlier in the show. I I can't sell if I never owned him in the first place. Um, I don't know, man. I ended up with Segura, I think, in like nine out of my ten leagues. So I just... (laughs) After after him, you know, it, there's a pretty big drop off, and Story fit into that that drop off for me. Um, I've been wrong, you know, in a small sample size about Bogart so far before the injury, but uh, Story is just not somebody who the type of player that I roster. Um, he's he's going to give you you know pretty good power, but he's going to just murder you in batting average, um, and he's not going to steal enough bases to really contribute. Yeah, and in today's landscape, you really don't need to reach too much for home runs. Uh, he did hit his fourth tonight off the Pirates, but um, 37% strikeout rate, which is a little higher than his career, where he's at 33% for his career. Um, just a really high strikeout guy, and he's just not going to do you much besides hit homers. So And, he, and pretty soon you're going to be on Brennan, Brennan Rogers' watch. Um, exactly. <laughs> right. He, he's, he's probably getting close to being ready. And depending upon how he does in the minor leagues and how Story does in the major leagues, you know, if, if Story was to get injured today, we could see Brendan Rodgers, I think, in the major leagues. So I think he's he's close enough. Maybe he's not going to get, you know, 250 plate appearances if there's no injury or poor performance by Story. But if he's atrocious for a, a month span or gets injured, um, I think it's pretty natural for the for the Rockies in contention to want to bring up their stud shortstop prospect. This is year three for Story in the majors, and there's just zero improvement. He's the same player as he was when he first came up. So, you know, it it's a little worrisome with him. I was one of the lucky few to actually draft Story the year that he came up, and I drafted him as my last pick. And what was crazy is, is I drafted him and uh, Jose Reyes with my last two picks, figuring <laughs> one of them was going to get the job, and then Reyes got suspended, and then Story got the job, and the rest is history, as they say. Um, but I traded him like in the midst of his like huge hot streak at the beginning yeah. of the year, and I just knew, uh, you know, if he comes up and he does that well. He's definitely not sustaining that over a long period of time because of the strikeout rates, and and he just had a huge hole in his profile right from the beginning. Um, He just is not a guy that I wanted anything to do with really long term. All right, last name here. What are we to do with Giancarlo Stanton? He's got 25 strikeouts, only three home runs, and I believe he's gone 
platinum sombrero like three times this year, twice at least. All right, so if you're still listening to the podcast after <laughs> a, almost 90 minutes, chances are you were probably listening to the podcast about four weeks ago when we talked about you know potential bus candidates, uh, and I brought up Giancarlo Stanton. Being drafted first round in most leagues, there's just so much volatility with with power. You know, we we've seen it over the last decade. You know, guys that hit 40 to 60 home runs a season typically don't do it for like four or five years in a row. I mean, Jose Bautista was hitting you know 40 to 50 home runs for a few seasons there, and after three or four years, years he fell off a cliff. Ryan Howard, same thing. He had three or four seasons where he was just an absolute monster and then fell off a cliff is this Davis. It's not really a sustainable long-term skill. If you look at like a hitter, like Paul Goldschmidt or, or Freddie Freeman um, and those type of hitters, it's much more sustainable long-term than, than what you see with somebody who has so much power and so much swing and miss in their game. And what we saw from Stanton last year was super encouraging. I mean, he reduced his, his O swing percentage, and his strikeouts significantly in 2017. The problem with that is, is if you see some type of rebound, there's regression. That was so far out of line with what the rest of his career was, but now we've seen it go in the exact opposite direction. His strikeout rate for the season right now is 30%. Last year, he reduced it to a career low of 24% strikeout rate. That's incredible for somebody with that much power. He was completely locked in. We can't expect him to repeat that again, which is why I didn't draft any of Stanton at pick number 10. I had to pull this up here. All the draft picks of where Giancarlo Stanton went in the Invitational. Somebody took him like third overall. Fifth was the highest they're Uh, not a good team (laughs) uh let's see league eight and league 12 he went fifth overall league 10 went sixth and then everything else was seventh eighth nine 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 ten 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 eleven thirteen so Stanton went in the first round 100% of the time in the Invitational. I just don't know how you expected him to repeat, though. Like, that was his best-case scenario, right? And he finished, like, 10th overall in most formats. Like, so he didn't even crack, like, the top five. And it was basically the best he had ever been. Like, health-wise, swing-wise, strikeouts, home runs, his, like, RBIs and runs should go up. But I don't know, man. Oh, boy. This is even better. Here on this page... You can see where the team ranks overall. That drafted him? That drafted him. So of the two that drafted him in the fifth round, one sits in seventh place overall and one at 16. What? Yeah. Wow. They're better than us. (laughs) They they are. They hit on on every (laughs) single pick after that. That's crazy. That just proves that it's er too early to look at standings. Yeah. All right, and as Keith said, we've been going a little long tonight, so where can the people find you guys? All right, so you can find me at Fantasy underscore Keith. I'm writing four articles this week, um, two bullpen reports over at Fangraphs, and then two articles at Fantrax, so check them out there. Phil, and I'm at the Baseball Jedi. I'm Todd, and you can find me at Goldie Happens. I've been Jeremy, and you can find me at Front Office Jer. Follow the podcast at Fan Front Office. And, of course, most of our writing over at our home on the web, fanfrontofficepodcast.com. Until next week, we have been the Fantasy Front Office.